0: What's up, Jay brones Live from Brooklyn, New York, and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, this is the Torture Racked Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling.
1: John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. I'm buried in books over here, bro. I have. You got a lot of books. A lot of books behind me. I got boxes and boxes of Torture Racked, issue four printed. We've been saying that it's been, I guess we've started, it's like, this is the eighth episode of this podcast. And I think every episode has started with me saying it's done in varying forms. We've made fun of it a few times, but like, this is probably the last time that we will say that we will begin an episode by me saying it's done. I will provide shipping updates, those kinds of things for people that are listening and wondering what's going on with that. But yeah. They are in hand. They're in hand. They're in hand. All of the all the issues are here. We did this once. We'll do it one more time.
0: One more time. Mm.
1: Hundred and sixty pages.
0: That is actually even a thicker boy than I thought it was going to be. Got
1: a nice big spine on it. It's a half an inch thick spine. psyched about mm. it. So happy that it's printed and done the pocket reader is on the way i just sent that off to the printer too so everything for everyone that is listening to this that has pre-ordered the magazine the ship date that i listed should be good july 20th the week of july 20th everything should be going out i'm still planning to go to the post office then and ship everything so just quite a few orders though so probably break it up over a couple of days that week and the uh the orders will be off, uh, but yeah, I, I've just been sifting through merch all morning and eating raisin toast. How are you doing, Mark? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had a job interview because we got to keep torture Racked to keep the lights afloat. On. Yeah. gotta keep the lights on. Gotta keep our day jobs until we can get more Patreon followers.
1: <laughs> aside and from yeah, Thomas,
0: yeah. <laughs> aside from Thomas, just being I'm just psyched to talk about wrestling. I feel like we have it. It feels like an incredible, almost like a backlog. Of wrestling that we have, and it, it's, it's only been, been a week. Though such a crazy, it's been such a crazy week. Next week's going to be crazy. Probably the next couple of weeks, and then maybe we might actually have time for more super cards when it kind of dries up a little bit.
1: I know. I mean, it's yeah. Right at the start of COVID, we were watching. I feel like we were booking the whole weeks around super cards.
0: Yeah, we were watching at least one super card a week. It was also before Started... we
1: did this podcast too, so we had yep. a little bit more time.
0: And it was before Thomas was in on it too, because we were at first watching wwe and nxt supercards, and he wasn't interested in that but once we started oh, on to the uh yeah. ecw and jpw he's uh he's on board
1: yeah that was that was really fun that week that we watched you we you made the Shawn michaels supercard, and we booked it we kind of you and i just watched it when we could that was really fun like we like it was like oh it's like four o'clock on thursday neither of us are doing anything let's throw on Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker and it was the same week as Wrestlemania so it was like a fun, it felt like a like a whole week of wrestling in a way that like we got to ex- sort of experience a Wrestlemania weekend from our homes because of the amount of wrestling we were watching that week uh,
0: I feel like it. it's such a shocking turn from COVID, you know, kind of being a, a little bit of a dearth of wrestling other than obviously weekly WWE and NXT and, NXT and AW shows and now it just feels like there's so much wrestling we couldn't even watch it all if we if we wanted to.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah, it seemed I was actually thinking that because uh, I watched I watched so much wrestling this week just because I felt like it, not necessarily because I felt like I had to. And I was thinking about like how great it feels that New Japan is back and regularly putting on shows to the point where I'll go to the New Japan website and be like, oh wait a minute, I have two shows to watch instead of one, and.
0: Yes, that happened to me where in, in the fact that I last time we thought we were reviewing the quarterfinals and we said we were moving on to the semis, we were actually just reviewing the second round, supposed to move on to the quarterfinals, I accidentally jumped to the semis and ruined all those quarterfinal matches for myself. No surprises in the quarterfinals, but then the semifinals was full of surprises Absolutely. as we will, as we will go through. But what else have you been watching, John?
1: I've been, I have been. I feel like I've watched so many different things this week in terms of the different promotions uh, that I've watched. Violent Miracle, for those of you listening that might not know, you should follow him on Instagram, at Violent Miracle. He's been making these mixtapes throughout uh, coronavirus since COVID hit. If you join his mailing list, which can be found at ViolentMiracle.com slash mailing dash list. You can get added to the mailing list and he sends out a mixtape or uh like a super tape every couple of weeks. I think he's done eight now, so maybe he's been doing it like every other week.
0: So the physical Myers. tapes? Not
1: actual tapes though. Like they're video they're links to uh YouTube playlists uh that cool. he like very carefully curates, and this week's tape was New Jack, and New Jack in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which is not something that I have watched a ton of i am most familiar i i as i've said on a, uh, our earlier podcast new jack was one of the few wrestlers that i really kept me invested in wrestling during sort of the periods where i didn't really watch it between the early 2000s and like twenty twenty seventeen twenty sixteen. 2017 2016 and new jack was one wrestler i kept up with and i've always meant to watch his old smoky mountain matches and they're really cool uh i i think that you would like them a lot mark it's very um, very Attitude-era brawling. And the promos are completely unreal that New Jack cuts during this time. You
0: did send me an excerpt of one of those promos, and it it was wild. He screams
1: about how he wants to pull people's eyes out and break bones, <laughs> and he wants to hear bones cracking. He wants to pull people's eyes out of their heads, he wants to see them knocked out, and that him and Mustafa did not come... To Smoky Mountain Wrestling to play, and this is in like a feud with the Rock and Roll Express. That it's it's a great feud within Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, I I don't I don't know enough about Smoky Mountain Wrestling to know the most significant feuds, but to me this seems like a fairly s- significant aspect of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And just seeing this these matches took place in 1994, and New Jack is brawling with the Rock and Roll Express. It's like pr- it's it's proto ECW. Wild brawling. There's a moment where they're all brawling. The match hasn't started, and New Jack puts a noose around Ricky Morton's neck and throws him over the ropes and is hanging what? him from the ring to the ground. And the crowd is just Jesus. going insane, uh, because Rock and Roll Express are the faces in the match. And yeah, a lot of like backstage stuff where they're like fighting into the uh, parking lot and. I don't know, man. It's really cool. I highly recommend you all get added to his mailing list and also just seek out New Jack's uh, Smoky Mountain stuff because he actually wrestles in it too. Uh, for everyone that thinks he's just known for jumping off of stuff and kind of doing crazy, wild, violent things, there's a lot of just really great worked wrestling going on in, in those matches as well.
0: I have two questions. Yeah. One of them is kind of a sidebar. Ricky Morton. Is he the one that put over AEW recently? He is, yeah. On uh-huh.
1: Yeah. That was cool to see too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He just went on and just said, you know, if you don't think that what that eight man tag was storytelling, you need to watch it again. Cause what they did in the ring or something to that, that tune was, was magnificent. Great storytelling. I thought that was super cool. Having someone from that era who was known for more eighties wrestling, uh, kind of put over, spot fests didn't he like compare it to a rembrandt painting i think he or did he's Mozart a, he's a or something. goddamn smart man ricky morton it's cool right, that that's cool qu- to
1: see though that he's yeah he's yeah very much in support of that they did they did a spot in aew at one point didn't they you're right
0: yes and he can still Canadian
1: destroyer oh my god yeah and suicide dive yeah. too yeah 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 that all was right that crazy. was question
0: one question two uh can i get a update on new jack's forehead at this time? Oh, it's fine. Totally unscathed. Yeah. uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yes. Very Hasn't
0: seen the, the horrors of ECW war. Yeah, I
1: think ECW and then the post-ECW bloodbaths that he participated in are the culprit of that forehead uh, more so than uh, this era. Where he, there's there maybe was blood. With the matches I watched, there was no blood, so.
0: Did he experience racism in Smoky Mountain? Is that what he said? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Dark I side of the ring, Doc?
1: I can't say for sure but he did i know he did say that in the dark side of the ring episode and just the optics of the entire thing where it's like they're in the south and it's the all of his promos are engendering that sort of thing i think he does he does say say something about that in um in the dark side of the ring episode that it was a Uh, Oh, D'Lo Brown talks about it because D'Lo Brown was one of the gangsters too. Uh, It was D'Lo Brown, Mustafa and New Jack. And D'Lo Brown talks about being a part of the storyline and be a part of this group that is engendering. They're basically uh, engendering the sort of racial feud that's happening between basically uh, New Jack, his crew and the entire Smoky Mountain arena. And being just a person, D'Lo Brown, just a person within that, as someone who was a performer slotted in with these guys. Remember him saying that it, it was a weird position to be in.
0: Yeah, it must have been really intense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, early '90s, wild time. But yeah, and then we we both watched together. Well, you tapped out of it, but we watched some pro wrestling. Noah, uh, go versus Fujita. You didn't? Did you actually not watch the 31 minute stare down?
0: No. How long did uh, you watch it for? I watched it for about five minutes. And then I skipped ahead and saw that it went on for 30 minutes. So I skipped 30 minutes in, started to watch the sort of
1: takedowns. and Were you not yeah, gripped right by now. the stare down?
0: I was gripped for five minutes.
1: And then did you like look, and then you were like, how long does this, this That's go? exactly right.
0: Yeah. So it's just two people... Staring at each other for 30 minutes and then wrestling for, what, 10?
1: Yes, it's, I would say the biggest, the match that they have after the stare down is okay. Like, I don't think it's like, it isn't, if that was just the match, I don't think it would be like a standout COVID era match. But the stare down, I would say, makes the match though.
0: I thought I had patience watching three-hour art films, but truly it is you and Thomas who are the Jedi.
1: Dude, this was like a wrestling art film, though. I, I, it was
0: like wrestling performance art.
1: Yeah, like it, I, I messaged you and said that I want to project that on the wall of an art gallery the next time I do an installation. And I genuinely as long as there's As long be. as there's wine. <laughs> as long as there's wine to watch. Well, I, but I want, yeah, I want to loop the first 31 minutes forever, so then there's never a takedown. I lo- I don't know. Just that I, I I I think while we were Yubi and Thomas kind of watched it simultaneously, um, while we were watching it, you were like, "Well, you're, you you draw during this, so this is like ta- you're getting something you're done. Getting you're something done? accomplishing something." This is just <laughs> this is just time lost for me. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. But I stopped drawing and just watched the stare down and got chills multiple times. Like it just it. I I don't know what it was about it, but I think because I went in not knowing what to expect, not ever having yeah, watched. Yeah, I don't any think anyone who Noah, is hearing
0: this and then goes to watch it is going to have the experience that you did. Already knowing that they stare down for thirty minutes, like I think that kind of maybe depletes it a little bit.
1: Oh, like you think that part of the part of the tension build. Would
0: just be not knowing how long it was going to go on for.
1: And not expecting anything. Like, I went into it the way that I go into, like, most movies I'm excited about, where I try not to see the trailers, I try not to read synopsises, I just go in and experience the movie and see what happens. Mm. Uh, that's how I went into this wrestling match. but And it was fun going to a wrestling match, like, in this way, because I feel like we go into wrestling matches with all of our opinions about wrestling and the things that we like. And with this... Because I don't have context, because I don't know anything about Pro Wrestling Noah, it was interesting. I think that's part of what I enjoyed about it. Like, there was nothing that's for me was... to, like, kind of connect with. And it was just this pure moment of, like, tension that I just, like, really I really liked it a lot. I don't know.
0: I, I mean, I get that feeling, because that's why I enjoy watching the GCW and just learning about a bunch of... Because I knew, I think, maybe one character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going in, and that was Nick Gage. And the same with uh, NJPW, you know, whenever I see someone, it was like Taiji Shimori was my new discovery of this tournament. Like I'd never seen him before. And now I'm like, I fucking love this guy. So I I, I do love that sense of discovery and not really knowing what's going to happen.
1: And I think because like we're constantly consuming so much wrestling, there are pretty, there's pretty, a pretty rare moment for me personally, as a viewer to have that experience of like. I don't know anything about any of these people or anything that we're seeing. So I'm in on this weird art house wrestling match that I, I agree. I don't, I don't think that it is the second half is a very great match. I wish I wanted more. I wanted the tension to build to Suzuki and a breaking point. Yeah. Like Suzuki Nagata and it built to kind of just a random COVID match. It felt to me. Um, But yeah, it's been... uh... Well,
0: John watched this match, so you don't have to.
1: (laughs) No, everyone should go out and seek out that match. I feel like I'm going to think about that match for so long.
0: I don't want people to take, if they should watch one match from this podcast, to take that match. Because I think they might stop listening to the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. It's great.
0: Should we move into the actual quarterfinals of the New Japan Cup?
1: Yes uh finally we you and i have watched this separately so we've not really talked to each other about our opinions on any of these matches really which is kind of a rare thing for both of us because i feel like even throughout the weeks of the new japan cup we have like talked a little bit about what we've been watching but this week i feel like was maybe the first week where we didn't talk too much about these matches the very first match i think maybe was my favorite match of the quarter and semifinals. uh Roma versus Ishii, what did you think, Mark?
0: Yeah, I am just looking through the list. Yeah, I agree. I think that was the best match of the quarters and the semis. Um I I loved this matchup. I love the idea of Takahashi being able to go blow for blow with Ishii and just being a match about the fact that the Super Juniors can hang with the heavyweights. Like, that was my main takeaway from this match. It was like just because. Takahashi is diminutive in size compared to Ishii, not necessarily height, but certainly like mass and build. Uh, doesn't mean that he can't withstand Takaha- or Ishii's crazy chops and blows. And you know, eventually, it might take him a little bit longer, but he can get he can get Ishii down.
1: Yeah, and he basically overall Romu out agilities Ishii. Like Hiromu's combination of speed and power together is what takes down Ishi because Ishi not that Ishii's a one dimensional performer, but like he he is a tank he's a hoss he's a heavy person that has a very set set of moves that I feel like he's coming to this match with whereas Hiromu's he's the ticking time bomb he's more volatile he's more versatile in how he can work it's more adaptable yeah he's yeah. it's easier for him to adapt and I find it. I I I thought he was gonna win. Like in my bracket, I had Hiromu winning this, and it's just so cool to see him win a match. And I wasn't while watching it though. Like the way it started, I wasn't sure if he would actually win while I was watching.
0: No, because Ishii was dominating for most of the first half of the match, and then it It felt like Taka started to build momentum. Oddly enough, when he was the most tired. Like he got hit one point at um, stiff forearm, I think. And he just gets up and he starts like kind of screaming and you can tell he's got no energy, but he's, his determination is racked up to like a thousand percent. And eventually he does rally the energy. He keeps going for those uh, lariats and eventually he does take Ishii down.
1: Well, and there's like one, what uh, throughout the entire match, Ishii keeps trying to do a brain buster on Hiromu. And yes. it stalls, and then Hiromu flips, kinda like flips forward out of it. He can never get Hiromu up to that vertical stall that he usually ha- holds people at right. to then drop yeah. them down for the brain buster. Which I thought was such a cool detail of that match where it's like that that moment and in instance is the thing that's keeping Ishii from Beating Hiromu. Finishing him yeah, finishing him. Yeah. Hiromu, no matter how many times Ishii puts him up in the Brain Buster, I think I counted like three or four times, each time Hiromu found his way out of it and then like evaded Ishii's attacks. And Totally. I find it interesting that in this in this match that he they did book him to win, because if you remember back to the G1 last year, Will Ospreay's big storyline going into it was like I am gonna beat all the heavyweights and he loses to like everybody like i don't i his first loss <laughs> yeah, him he lost Saber
0: jr took a bunch of losses yeah he lost to like
1: lance archer at the uh dallas g1 uh and that was like the start of lance archer's big like kind of redemption and maybe not redemption his big ascendance push. to yeah push to to where he's at now uh but yeah uh at the end of this match i can't believe Hiromu was able to pick ishi up also like
0: Yeah, he time bombs him. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, The moment I really enjoyed was where he sort of has to use Ishii's moves against him and just like headbutts Oh my gosh,
1: that headbutt was sick. Oftentimes, we've talked about this a few times, either headbutts look, either headbutts are real and it's like strong style going a little too far, or they look kind of like... Soft and like that's just oh, it's funny. He did a headbutt, it's not, but this that headbutt, like the force that Hiromu jumps forward with kind of is it looked very like it looked like there's a lot of like impact behind it, despite it probably being like ultimately safe, yeah,
0: totally. Uh, well, because he didn't do it forehead to forehead, he kind of like hit him in
1: the face almost with his head, as I recall, yeah,
0: and it w- it was awesome and then he then he clotheslines him and takes out Oh him down.
1: dude yeah that whole string of moves dude Ishii also is like the unsung MVP I mean this I feel like every New Japan knows this but like Ishii I feel like is the unsung MVP of that roster like can you think of a time where we've watched Ishii together or separately where you haven't just absolutely enjoyed the match like
0: No and I'm starting to realize that most of the matches I've enjoyed in this tournament are like strong style matches like our favorite matches were like uh Nagata and suzuki and makabe uh,
1: ishii yeah yeah makabe ishii all the hard hitting this yeah matches are great so
0: but yeah we we love this one a minus for me a from john a minus
1: i just gotta say too like not to jump ahead but just hiromu's entire sort of personality kind of coming back to where he's screaming like how he screams at okada at the start of uh his match with okada and just the different like yells and shouts he's doing in these matches Man, it's so cool. Um, it's
0: good to see that back after him cowering like a dog against <laughs> uh, the least intimidating person on the New Japan roster. But
1: they they redeemed him, right? They did.
0: You As, as you said would happen, did happen.
1: Also, not to take a break for a second and make this an episode of We Love Action Figures, but <laughs> have you seen the Hiromu action figure? It looks so cool.
0: Uh, I hope it doesn't have those tights he wore throughout this tournament. I don't like those tights.
1: You know, I I don't mind them. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love when you repeat what I say, but like sadder. <laughs> You're like, you don't, you don't like those tights. Well, What's wrong with the
1: tights? Uh, no, I think they. I think he he. I mean, he always has colorful tights. Uh, but yes, uh, is it Super Seven? That's I usually making like those? them, but I didn't, think it's Super like Seven them. that's making them. Yushi has been on pre order for like a year. It's hard for me to order something that takes that long to get to me. I mean, I know we're doing a Torture Act pre-order, but like that pre-order was open.
0: Only a couple months.
1: Well, not even a couple months. It closed. I mean, you could still pre-order it if you want. I left them up because we have enough to send out. But like the pre-orders opened two weeks ago and then everything Mm -hmm. will ship two weeks from now. So it's like a month turnaround. And I mean, I realize like a publication is easier to make than an action figure. But I'm also just like one person in a studio, not a massive... Action figure company. so it's like interesting that these some of them take so long to make, but they look so cool. I'll buy Ishii whenever he's released. He comes with a never belt and a T shirt and a dented chair. Very sick. He's gonna
0: slap the shit out of those rest of the wrestlers on your shelf.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, bloody gang, you're gonna, bloody gang growl, Bam Bam, wooden Bam Bam, and all. You're of gonna these get these home and they're dolls. all gonna
0: be on the ground just holding their. They're chest. all done for. Done.
1: Done. Oh my god! We had. How sad! evil
0: versus Yoshi Hashi? Oh man, this made me, this made me sad, bro. After becoming a Yoshi <laughs> Hashi fan in the last. Yeah. The last... He tries so hard. He does try so hard. Um, you pretty much knew what was going to happen as soon as evil walked in with like the biggest scythe I've ever seen in my life.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean that evil's entrance also on, on the action figure, uh, tip evil's action figure. looks oh. so cool.
0: Comes Evil would be probably my world heavyweight champion in my self book
1: in <laughs> your uh in the down, in the in the downstairs arena. Um, That's right. Yeah, like the uh, that his action figure comes with his hood, his scythe, and a bunch of other accessories. Uh, probably a Tai Chi level of accessories. This match I felt was it was hard to watch, knowing Yoshihashi. Not was really hurt. a match. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a match. More so as like a a goodbye. Bo- Potential goodbye to Yoshihashi. Did you read that this is maybe a career ending injury?
0: I had hoped it was not that bad, but yeah, I did see that.
1: I mean, I don't know how I read that on a website, so who knows how true it is, but like but it seems like Honestly, yeah.
0: the rub that would give to Evil on this would be the heat it would give to him is huge because I thought this was only going to go on for a minute. Just he puts the chair, uh he puts puts Yoshihashi's knee in a chair and smashes it over and over again. Uh but then he was kicking him in the knee, then he puts him to in the Scorpion death lock and just holds it for so long and Yoshihashi screams and screams. Man. I don't think he and he did not tap out, right? Like it was referee stoppage? Yeah,
1: ref stopped it. Yeah, poor yeah, Yoshihashi. So. I yeah, I, I was sold on him in that match he had with who was the who do you fight? Bushi? Bushi, yeah. Yeah, his match with Bucci it, was really good, and well, yeah,
0: because of his knee snapping back and that becoming the narrative of that match. But it was sad to lose him.
1: Yeah, and then we the 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 next uh, New Japan Cup match we got was a very very sick Okada versus Ishimori match. What did you think of that?
0: I thought that uh, Ishimori came in looking like Shredder. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh,
1: totally, dude. We they need to... Bullet Club needs. I don't know. New Japan just needs to release like a figure of everybody.
0: Absolutely. Seems yeah. like
1: it's it's interesting that the like an because Super Seven's just an American toy company that's releasing those figures of New Japan uh, wrestlers. It's interesting that they don't. They just send out licenses to companies, but they don't ever make action figures and I would be interested to know I've never I've not looked this up too much but it is interesting to think about the fact that like most of the companies that make action figures for New Japan wrestlers historically have always been just like an outside company working with them uh, rather than it being kind of like internal uh, yeah or even just like in- initiated by New Japan I mean I realize like Jack specific Hasbro right. whatever there's always an outside toy company but like seems like New Japan would push that more because everyone is so clearly ready or not ready so clearly an action figure through the history of this but this this match was probably one of my most anticipated matches of my own bracket from when i filled out the bracket i wrote down okada versus ishimori here hoping that it would happen and it did and this match over delivered i would say
0: I loved how um I didn't love it. I don't know why I said that. Kevin Kelly's commentary is mixed too low during the entrances and he's talking oh, I have no idea what he's saying. So oh, was... it was really
1: there was a few moments where that's happened. And I mean that's that probably like this... them them trying to get the episodes out fast so they don't have time to listen to it back, but
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a it was an issue during the entrances on this night. But um yeah, it was it was it was great to see them together like Ishimori is, like, so cool, but then you put him next to Okada and you can see the height difference.
1: Oh, yes. I, I didn't, you know, I mean, I know Okada is, like, a, a big wrestler, but I don't know. Yeah, he's towered over Hiromu and over Ishimori.
0: Yeah, like, Okada looks just like a normal kind of wrestler, and so does Taiji, but then you put them together and you realize, oh, Okada's a, like, he's so lithe and he's such an athlete that he looks like he's, like, a super junior, but he's not. No. He's, Dude, he's a big guy. What did
1: you think of that Hulk Hogan-style boot Okada threw to Ishimori's face the very first oh. move of the match? Like, <laughs> oh, that was so sick. It also made him seem even like, so, he seems like a giant compared to Ishimori.
0: Yeah, Okada looked so strong in this tournament. Like, he was just a man through. I felt going like
1: through. throughout the whole tournament, I don't know, I I'm not sure, Mark, if you felt this way too, but it seemed... It felt like Okada's like wrestling like a slightly tweaked style that kind of reminded me of like early 90s WWF superstars like Randy Savage oh, and Hulk Hogan.
0: Well, he's, he's moved to the Cobra Clutch as his finisher throughout this tournament, which is very interesting.
1: And the way he threw that boot was very Hogan-esque. There is uh, in his Hiromu match, too, that he throws some elbows that kind of remind me of like of uh, Randy Savage. Just seems mm. like he's kind of accessing a different moveset for this tournament in
0: back to basics okada
1: yeah in a way that uh he hasn't before yeah back to basics okada i mean it makes well sense. i mean
0: he doesn't really haven't he hasn't fought anyone like kenny omega throughout this tournament right so he hasn't had to be the best bout machine kind of that's a good point ver- too version. that's interesting
1: He's okada is so good that he doesn't unleash the wild moveset that he has for this tournament, because he's wrestling people he never wrestles, like Ishimori, Gato. Yeah, who he's he wrestled, Gato, Ishimori, Negata. That's everyone so far, right? And then that's Hiromu. everyone so far.
0: And uh, then Hiromu, Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like he's wrestling all of these people that are not in are not in his league. Like Gato's a manager, Nagata is a dad, Ishimori and Hiromu are super juniors. So I guess mm-hmm. it does make sense that he's. Br- it's cool that he's bringing this sort of like. Early '90s superstars esque uh, wrestling style to this tournament because he doesn't have to use his typical move set.
0: Uh, he is awesome. He's the best. He's killing it. Uh, I love Taiji's sliding German suplex oh, out that of the was ring. So
1: cool. Yeah, incredible. It's where he like he's so good. Runs, slides under Okada. Runs. He sets Okada up on the. Ropes, ropes. Runs to the other rope, slides under Okada's legs, and then flips him back for the German suplex. It's such a cool move that I. Yeah. It's not something that you see very often from anyone, really.
0: No, he's awesome. And he also did a moonsault from the second rope into a reverse DDT on Okada ringside, where he was kind of. He was in control for, for a brief period of time.
1: Yeah, he hit. He. He. Where he got the upper hand, I. I the whole time I did. I did not think there was any way that Ishimori was going to win this, but the points where he did get the upper hand were so fun to watch. There's another moment where he ducks a boot off of Okada and does this like tilt-a-whirl all around Okada's body to what looks like kind of like up to a rana, but then wraps around Okada's back, slams Okada down into a yes lock and then it's like wrenching a yes lock. And it's just such a cool moment and Okada's like panting and screaming I can't believe, also, it's just crazy how strong all these people are. Ishimori was able to get Okada up for that double knee drop, also.
0: And well, Ishimori is shredded.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. He is small, but very muscular.
0: He seems like, he to me, he seems like a mini Okada.
1: Yes, that's a good comparison. He's someone that I, I think, hope stays in New Japan, also.
0: Oh, me too. I think he, he could be a top star. Like, imagine him even more jacked, but not even more mass.
1: Totally. Yeah, I feel like, well, I'm just imagining, like, Kenta going to WWE and then kind of not really being used and then coming back and being, like, a massive star that he is now. Similarly, I think the same thing probably would happen to Ishimori. He'd go there, get water. Do you
0: think he's, do you think Kenta's massive? I don't think he's quite massive yet.
1: I think he is, like, he went, well, he went from being on the opener of the Royal Rumble to... Challenging for the IWGP Championship and getting like big featured moments and matches. Um,
0: oh, certainly they've been using him well and they've been positioning him strong.
1: And I, I don't I, know if he to me he is one of the players of New Japan. Yes, wouldn't call him a pillar of the company, but to me he's he's like slightly above the level of like people like maybe Evil who it is in the finals of this tournament and. Sonata and some of the other ancillary sort uh wrestlers in New Japan. It's like kenta But he's
0: below like he's below like Jay White, I would say.
1: Oh. Yes. Yes. Jay White is the heel. I miss missing Jay man, I miss Jay White in this tournament. He would have been Uh, did
0: you see the bracket? I, I sorry I sent it to you really late. I was up to like four AM last night. But uh I sent the original New Japan Cup bracket and there was about fifteen wrestlers. Who had to be replaced in the tournament?
1: Yes, I had and I have it up here. I left it up because I thought we might talk about it on here. It's interesting to see the original bracket. We had Okada facing Jay White. I think ok- Okada still would have won that. It's interesting looking yes. going back and looking at that bracket and seeing like, oh, we still would have got to the same place. Yes. One person that would not have been there though was Hiromu. So do you think? Oh. So in that in that first tier, it, the original bracket had Makabe versus Jeff Cobb and Ishii versus Toa Henare. So Ishii would have won, maybe Makabe yeah. would have won, then Ishii would have won, and then in the other side where Hiroma would have been, we had Colt Cabana versus Bad Luck Fale and Yano versus Chase Owens. So I think we might have had Ishii going the distance up until Okada, and then Okada beating Ishii, and then moving on.
0: Who is Will Osprey facing?
1: Will Osprey was facing Shingo. So it would have been Sonata and Will Ospreay in the second round. And Sonata would have probably won that, I would say. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I could have seen maybe Osprey in like the Takahashi position.
1: Well, knowing now Perhaps. the devastating news that Sonata is not in the finals, despite how much I've talked about the story implications of him getting to the finals for the last two weeks, uh, I guess that Will Osprey might have eliminated him in the second round and then gone on to face... I that's They would have done that. Osprey would have eliminated him because then that would have meant Osprey would have gone on to face... Ibushi, or could have yeah. gone on to face Ibushi. I guess Tai Chi beat Ibushi, though, so who knows?
0: I was just reading the IWGP uh, champions list yesterday, and I totally forgot that Kota Ibushi has never won the big belt.
1: No, yeah, not yet. He, his, his time is kinda coming. Like,
0: his time is coming, and I, I, like I said, I think we're at the sort of middle of his long-term story. Like two Wrestle Kingdoms from now, probably he will have a huge coronation. And it will feel something like something because he won the G one, went on to face Okada night one of Wrestle Kingdom, and then lost. So it'll be kind of his redemption story, much the same as we had with Naito um, last year. But uh, I just thought that was interesting that he's kind because of, I think of him as one of kind of the big five of New Japan, along with Okada, Naito, Tanahashi, Tanahashi. Yeah, I do too. The, yeah. Big 4. Are, that's, those, so.
1: that's like I, the internet accepted Big 4 of New Japan, for sure. Yeah,
0: so it's just interesting that, <clears throat> that he hasn't won the big prize yet. I look forward to that.
1: Yeah, and I think but, that some a lot of it maybe had to do with the fact that he was not signed full-time up until recently. Right. So... I think they were leery of putting any sort of belt on him. But and also, though, in retrospect, just thinking back to his matches over the last like year, that's just the way that he's been booked. There's been other people in like the higher spots than he was. He's been a heavily featured person, just not someone that's been given like a huge belt yet.
0: And also, we just have to like commend NJPW's ability to build people while keeping them on sort of the back or side burner. Yeah, and Not letting them just kind of fizzle out like they do in WWE when they don't get that top spot.
1: Like, does it, I think there's not, that's, yeah, maybe the thing, that's the thing that I love about New Japan is like, there's not a single person on the roster that doesn't feel important.
0: I think it's because there are so many kind of, there's like the New Japan Cup, Super Junior Cup, uh, G1 Climax. There's so many different things for people to succeed in. There's like several different belts. So there's, and they do such a good job building all those matches that none of them feel like the European championship. Like the never open weight is probably like the lowest yes. in the pecking order. And it still feels like a big belt. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, to, it does really. And
0: because it's a different stipulations. Like this is specifically where super juniors and heavyweights fight.
1: Right. Yeah, it's interesting that they're able to do that because even the young lions throughout this tournament that fought, like Gabriel Kidd is memorable to me. The young lion that's very much like a Oni Lorkin type energy, and
0: yeah, he was awesome in in the like six man tags as well.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, the the final match of this night, Sonata versus Tai Chi. What did you think? I I thought it was fine. Um, you knew the outcome have, of this match. I did know the outcome. it, right.
0: That definitely hampered my ability to enjoy it. Um, because there would have been a lot of tension towards like, you know, us, us feeling like Sonata had to advance, but like, Oh shit, maybe Tai Chi was actually going to pull this one out and Tai Chi going through this entire tournament and using all these heel tactics that have just infuriated Kevin Kelly. I just have a note here. This is a general note about wrestling. Why can't refs just, like, half turn? You know what I mean? Like, they turn oh, their like full when they get back distracted. to the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like... I feel like they should be wearing, like, a fucking Michael Keaton Batman suit for the fact that they cannot look to the side whatsoever. It's like, full back to the action, full front to this person distracting. Why can't you just, like, go like this? Stand sideways. <laughs> I gotta go to look at both things here. Oh, you're not fucking around, but you're not fucking around either. I don't know. I hate when that happens and it's like a, the clincher of a match. Yes. Just drives me crazy. I,
1: I agree with that. And also in these empty arena shows, like if someone's yelling on the other side of the ring, like the like you're going to see it's and hear it. Like you're you're going to hear, hear it and yeah. see the, both the distraction and whatever is happening because of the distraction. Also, to your point, you would think that like by now for people, for refs going into a match... They would know. Chi. They would know the person on the side is there to distract the ref. Like it's a trope within wrestling that's a little, oh. at this point, like it's
0: dusty. Yeah. Like we like it, there needs to be like when those moments backfire, it's satisfying because it's a a uh, reversion of what you think it's going to be, subversion of, of of yeah the normal result. But yeah, for me, this was a skippable match. Wow. Yeah, I was was on the
1: edge of my seat because Sonata, who I was all in on, at the end of this night, I was number, I was in second place, well, first place with my bracket in the 50-person bracket tournament I was in. I don't, I'm definitely not any, now I'm... It
0: fell apart. completely fell apart. But
1: yeah, this match, like... Yeah, this match I just really enjoyed the build to it and just with Tai Chi, I like the thing that I like a lot about Tai Chi is that he they've built him and booked him in a way where he now is someone that could win a big match if he has to. Like, out of nowhere
0: He's becoming J1. Yeah, he's
1: volatile and New Japan will at some point give Tai Chi a big upset win. Like, I just can see him potentially with the Intercontinental title later this year, maybe taking it off of Naito. Seems like a possibility. I still
0: want the winner of this match to face Naito in a two falls match, like they did when Kurt Angle was Intercontinental and European champion.
1: Oh, they did a two falls match.
0: They did a two falls match against Jericho. Yeah, and he lost. He lost both of his belts by and didn't even get pinned, and he was furious. But uh, that was a that was a triple threat. Who is Kurt but Angle
1: versus? I want to see
0: Jericho and somebody else.
1: That sounds cool. I'm going to go back to watch that. Uh, I've never I, I've never seen that.
0: John, John Vamp, while I looked this up.
1: Yeah, that, that match. Well, and speaking of double champions, I watched the NXT Great American Bash title match. I didn't watch all of NXT, but I watched Keith Lee versus Adam Cole. And if you're listening and haven't seen that, I would go back and watch that match. It's great to see Keith Lee get his coronation, even though... We knew, all knew the results going into that match since the results were leaked. It's still, it's annoying that that happened because this match would have been even better not knowing that Keith Lee won. And then Keith Lee wins because at the end he's crying, he's holding the belts up. Keith Lee. Do you think this
0: was a fake leak? What? I don't mean to go all Joe Rogan on you. What do you mean? But I, I feel like they planted this image themselves. Because it just seems inexplicable that someone would be so stupid as to put this on social media. Feels like that was an accidental to make sure people were tuning in for that moment. So they could
1: oh, see it. so like a mankind is winning the WWF championship on WCW. Yes, except sort of that scenario. was
0: except that was from the competition to and it backfired because people right. wanted to see it. Yes, and this, yeah, but yes, essentially
1: yes, like a worked so, version of that. I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Ah, uh, yes, it seems like. You, there's it feels no one inexplicable could be that, that you could that. take a
0: picture of a match that's going to air in like two weeks, the the yeah the ending, and then just post it. Like well, and who
1: would do that to Keith Lee too? Like, why would you take that moment away? Like, expose the moment too? You're you are I, right. Yes, I think that's probably true.
0: I feel like that was like the I guarantee that they were going to win the night to see Keith Lee's coronation.
1: Yeah, the match is sick. Keith Lee flies through the um that glass barricade that they have. Uh yeah. and it shatters everywhere. He staggers, gets back in the ring, and him and Adam Cole just go back and forth. It's like a it's a classic NXT takeover match on NXT TV. Absolutely worth watching. Adam Cole hits go him back with and watch it. every finisher that he has, can't put Keith Lee down, and Keith Lee ultimately wins. Yeah, you you'll you'll you will love it. It'll definitely be an A from you, I would think. Uh it's a yeah, really I'm, cool match.
0: I'm looking forward to it. I, I did look up the other one, I could have just guessed that it was obviously Chris Benoit. Oh, so
1: with Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle,
0: yeah, and it was at WrestleMania 2000. Mm. Oh, um, uh, Benoit won the first fall, got the Intercontinental Championship, and then Jericho won the second fall, got the European Championship, and Kurt Angle was left with nothing and he was pissed.
1: That's interesting. Wow, well, I wonder, yeah, because I watched that live, I guess maybe I didn't. Like Jericho when I was a kid, Jericho, out of all those three, is the only person I cared about. So oh, interesting. Maybe that's why I don't really remember that match too well. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of Kurt Angle or Benoit as a kid. They both were boring, boring to me. As I, I've said in other podcasts, Al Snow was my favorite WWF <laughs> wrestler. So.
0: Well, he had had so, yeah,
1: exactly, but yeah, Sonata Taichi, uh, I throughout it, I wasn't sure who was gonna win. Ultimately, Sonata pulls it out, and then afterwards, I was like, dude, Sonata, here it is, Sonata, he gets his moment and is going on to the semifinals to beat his tag team partner Evil, and then he's gonna go on to win, and then he'll lose to his leader, Naito at the minion. But then I didn't think about the fact that this is New Japan and Gato is a master storyteller and isn't going to give it to us (laughs) that simply. Sonata is being booked how Naito was booked over the last two years as a loser that can't pull out the big wins. He's down and out. He's not winning titles. Nothing's going right for him. And then eventually, I bet you... So my prediction is Sonata wins the Intercontinental title later this year, actually. I know I just said I could see Tai Chi taking it off of him. I do feel that way. But I think ultimately, if I'm placing money on it, Sonata is who gets the Intercontinental title at some point this year, most likely. Unless I buy that. Unless they make Sonata challenge and lose, and they continue to book him in this way. Because I, I, so many other f- people that I know that are New Japan fans were so sold on Sonata... This being Sonata's tournament too?
0: Yeah, you sold me on it. Like, to the point where I was watching everything under that lens. <laughs> and so when Sonata lost to Evil, spoiler alert, in the semifinals, I was kind of crushed.
1: Yeah, what uh, what did you think all the way up to the end of that? How were you feeling? Like, did you think Sonata was going to win that match still as you were yes. watching it?
0: absolutely. Yeah, because Evil was playing those heel tactics at the start. Sonata extends his hand for the handshake. Evil pretends to do it, goes for the everything is evil. Sonata reverses goes for the skull end.
1: You know uh, who I, evil Oh god, sorry.
0: Oh, it was because the evil puts Sonata's head in the chair and oh. rams it into the turnbuckle and it exploded? Yeah. It was brutal. That was
1: really brutal.
0: Yeah, so I, I did think evil was gonna get his comeuppance in this match.
1: You know who I felt like was not really on point uh in this match? Kevin Kelly? Yes.
0: How I did didn't you know I was gonna uh, say
1: that. I just guessed, huh. I mean there, there's there's depend- only like four it's like maybe three or four well, guys because
0: like. evil and Sonata were fantastic, yes, so I was pretty sure it wasn't them. Uh, I don't know if it was red shoes. how did but... you
1: what did you think of his commentary in this match? I don't remember it, okay, so it's forgettable to you, and to me, I feel like he didn't sell it as like the blood feud that it was, like i don't I don't think that there was a time where he does what he normally does where it's like. Oh my god, these are tag partners. They never fight. Evil and Sonata are they both want this opportunity. I don't I love Kevin Kelly, he's my favorite commentator in all of wrestling. I was just surprised by the sort of kind of casual casual nature of the call. Cause earlier on uh in the mixed tag matches, which were both awesome, Suzuki Goon versus Tenashi, Gabriel Kidd, Nagata, and Bushi, and also Goto Show Ishii versus l j a. He's like popping off throughout all of those. Like, do you think he's just burnt out, man? I think so. He do, in in that first match, both of those matches are also worth going back and watching. He calls this. He calls Minoru Suzuki the Surgeon General of Torture.
0: <laughs> we need to have Suzuki on Torture Racked. True. He has. Yes. He has to be our first guest. I refuse to have any guests until the first one. Is one Suzuki of us needs to can... learn
1: how to speak Japanese for that to happen, but. Okay. Maybe we. Maybe that can happen. That's a future goal, personal goal of mine to actually learn how to do that. So, uh, maybe. All right. Well, it's on you then. Torture Act episode four hundred and twenty-five. Uh, we can do that. So, and like
0: if our if our patrons will pay for our Japanese like education, years, that
1: could happen. <laughs> but <laughs> no guess till then. He's the first. <laughs> He's the first. And until I learn how to be, until I learn how to speak Japanese well enough to where I can fluently have an Japanese. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah shouldn't be a problem. It seems eight like a pretty ten easy years language. It's about a
1: realistic time frame for that. I Put in... failed Spanish classes horribly, so I don't know if my brain is is very much set up to learn other languages. We'll, we'll see about that. Qué
0: pasa, John? Qué pasa? I
1: mean, okay. But <laughs>
0: That's just my favorite tortilla brand.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but anyways, um so not a lost. I can't believe it. I'm upset
0: man Sonata lost it more than one way he got dropped right in his fucking head during this match
1: yeah Kevin Kelly calls it a stinger points out that that looked like it was I mean it didn't it didn't doesn't need to point it out we could visually see that it was very much
0: like he put his arm out and he probably stopped himself from breaking his neck but uh he still must have uh, still must have compressed a little bit looked brutal um Sonata gets in he then evil puts not into a submission right after that I thought they were going straight for the finish
1: um and see, there's a moment towards the end where Sonata wrenched got Skull End in, wrenched it, then took a break to get a mo- to hit a moonsault, and I thought that the moonsault was gonna be the win, and then Evil gets his knees up mm-hmm. and wins.
0: Throws Sonata into the ref twice, knocks him out.
1: I haven't chair I haven't all caps in my notes. I can't believe Evil wins. Why wasn't Kevin Kelly selling this feud more? Everything is evil <laughs> question mark.
0: Uh, I have written in big letters the moment where after that fucking horrible neck landing, head landing, Evil puts a chair around Sonata's head and baseball slams it with another chair out of the ring. It looks so brutal.
1: But yeah, this match was great. And the next match too, Okada versus Hiromu. I mentioned earlier Hiromu just from the start screaming Okada. Okada! I loved that. It's such a cool moment. This whole match was so good.
0: It was amazing. More of what we were saying about Okada, like he can he can spend some of the match losing, but then there's always that just perfect moment where he takes back control. Like you said, usually with a drop kick. Um, yeah, he had a a quite wicker. a
1: few huge missile drop kicks where his hang time is <laughs> insane. Like, like yeah, man, yeah. No, no drop kick in the business is better than Okada's. It's this dude
0: is the Michael Jordan of drop kicks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's the Michael Jordan of wrestling, for sure.
0: Uh, Uh, I loved the moment where Takahashi shotgun dropkicks Okada, who's sitting on the top turnbuckle, and sends him to the outside. That was huge.
1: That was sick, yes. And throughout this match, too, we have Okada working in that same sort of WWF Superstars classic Style that I feel, at least for me as a viewer of New Japan, is a departure for him. And I do think it is mostly just a psychology sort of thing where he doesn't have to pull out all of his big moves because he didn't even use the Rainmaker until the end of this match.
0: Right. On the contrary, Hiromu once again showing his adaptability by taking the move of his competitor, but hits Okada with uh, a couple of Rainmakers. And I honestly thought he was going to pin Okada with the Rainmaker and I was... Shocked.
1: Yeah, that rainmaker. Absolutely shocked. He gets a rainmaker to a time bomb. I thought that might be it there, but it was not it. And then secondarily, watching this, see, I thought I did not think Hiromu was going to win this actually at all going into it because you didn't. No, and I know I had him in the finals in my bracket, but had I known that this was going to be broadcast on TV in Japan, I would not have. I would have had Okada going all the way to the end for sure.
0: Oh, interesting. Why is that?
1: Just because Okada is New Japan. There's no way Okada is going to lose on live TV. That's like the one of the first times they've been broadcast during this time, during like prime time on live TV in Japan. It's just like, there's no way. Like if, So
0: you're telling me Okada is going to take this tournament?
1: Well, no, that that was just that part of the Dominion's not going to be, or the New Japan Cups, I don't think is being broadcast on TV. I think it was just that that match at that moment was...
0: Oh, I didn't understand. Okay, yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, for some reason that event was. I don't know if the next event's going to be as well. If the next event is too, I think that Okada is going to win. If it's not broadcast, the, then I think Evil's going to win.
0: The two final possibilities I had were Okada Sonata or Evil Hiromu. I did not have this combination of Okada Evil.
1: Yeah, who do you, th- who do you think is going to win?
0: I think is going to win.
1: For the, what, second year in a row? Yeah, I
0: I can't... I don't see evil in that spot. I don't know what it is.
1: But I also don't see Okada... Like, are they going to have a rematch that soon again? I guess if they want to make yeah, Nido. Yeah, I think look... they are
0: look really strong. Like, he's going to defend off the same way he defended off... The same way Okada defended off Naito several times. Like, in the early 2010 that's
1: a really good point yeah i guess like that makes sense i mean if they want to give him a clean easy win there's no way evil's taking both belts off of him like if evil wins this there's i do not foresee that would be an insanely weird upset for evil to win both belts
0: well it's like looking at it there's absolutely no chance that if evil was fighting for both belts he would win no like zero he could win
1: the intercontinental title if it was only yeah. one belt but yeah
0: exactly but yeah, he wouldn't win both. So you kind of have to go with someone who you actually believe could win that because that would make it a bigger match, right? Which is Okada.
1: And I don't think Naito's losing either belt right now. So
0: it sort of makes sense. Naito
1: wins. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, this has been... So now that you've watched pretty much the whole tournament, but the finals, how was the entire experience of watching like a, the New Japan Cup for you?
0: Oh, it was amazing. Uh, it was more ma- much more manageable than the G1. Although G1 kind of gave not kind of g1 offered way more different combination of matches like you knew everyone was going to fight everyone in the g1 which is so exciting
1: g1's a little um, harder the- to predict also in terms of like wins and losses it's harder yeah, because to plan they can out like a storyline yeah and then they get points for their wins and losses i swear to
0: god i was so sure like kenta or um John Moxley were gonna win the G1 because they started strong and hit a couple wins, and you were like, this is the very beginning. Like, it's not even plus yeah. and then I saw the points accumulate and they just like tumbled down the rankings. Yeah,
1: Mox so. started out strong and then
0: lost to Yano. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was his downfall.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He got Yano'd. That was great.
0: But um Okada, like I love this guy. I because you remember I was saying that, you know, the Rainmaker didn't feel as big. Okada still felt big, but you know, the Rainmaker. Now just Okada feels huge again. Like getting to the finals again, you're just like, this guy's unstoppable. Like, and everyone who wrestles him looks great. And Naito will look great putting him over or um, getting put over by him. So uh he's he's my MVP of the tournament for sure.
1: Yeah, I as I said earlier, I think if I had to pick an MVP for this tournament for me, I think it would actually be Ishii.
0: Uh, I think Ishii in terms of match quality, but just Okada in terms of, like, solidifying his legacy.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
0: But, you know, you're right. Ishii had had two of the three biggest bangers, for sure.
1: To switch gears entirely, last weekend, we watched GCW, The Backyard 2, and had the best time... I was going to say the best the- time ever. i one of my favorite, I yeah, it's like a, definitely a big, a, it was a lot of fun watching that with the two of you last week.
0: Totally. This, uh me and Thomas actually got together and, and watched this, myself and Thomas and Thomas's enormous dog, whose name I can't recall, but whose enthusiasm I will remember forever. His name is Max. Uh, Max. Max. Got a lot of energy. Gigantic white dog. Gigantic dog. Love him. Love a good floof. Yeah, had a great time. Um, you know, maybe the match quality of this one, I'm not sure if it was as good as The World Part 2. I might have to look that up, but I thought the atmosphere was even better. The world was outside in like a um national park. Park, yeah. In, in in a ring, and this was actually someone's backyard to the point where at one point someone from the match ends up in a pool that just has a bunch of kids in it. Yeah, Alley Cat
1: or not Alley Cat knocks someone into the pool.
0: Yeah, I like how it takes um...
1: Denver, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. (laughs) I love that everyone had nicknames throughout all of this.
0: Yes, everyone was using their like old nicknames to the point where we were trying to figure out if Ricky Crash was Ricky Shane Page.
1: Right. And there was a point where the uh, commentator said Nick Gage was upset about being called hard ass Nick. Like, I don't think that was ever That, that some of the nicknames were just made up for the show. And oh. he implied that Nick Gage was not happy, like doesn't want to be called like, my name is Nick, Nick fucking Gage. Why are you calling me hard ass Nick? Wow. He's
0: a little bit of a hard ass, don't you think?
1: Which is why, because he like, the commentator introduces his crew as that. And then Nick Gage stops. Nick should have taken
0: the mic but like, I'm not. That's not my name. I'm Nick <laughs> fucking Gage. He
1: kind of did that. Then he... I didn't
0: go to prison to be whatever the fuck you just called me.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, man, the whole the whole atmosphere and event was great. Cool that there was like there was an in-ground pool, but then also a secondary pool next to the ring, a trampoline. Dude, Logan's stunt, the moves that he did on the, off of the trampoline were insane. That oh, he the, that moment where he's like up on the tree branch drops down. Yes. Up, Frankensteiner, to huge rollover cutter through the door that's on the ground. Off of a trampoline. The, do-
0: the doors were not, doors were not breaking, breaking for anybody during this event. No. Doors took a stand. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, there was also an abandoned car, which apparently belonged to somebody. Who oh, I can't remember that. A bunch of people did moves on. And eventually detonated fireworks into...
1: Yeah and kind of furthering your uh what, what were we watching where you you made the c- comparison the street motor street fighter comparison where it's like that's what that really really bringing that uh vignette to like It life. was
0: one I it was one of the matches like a hoss hoss off maybe it was like Maccabee uh <laughs> Thing, but we were, you talked about how the, the stiff blows by Ishii could crumble a marble statue to dust, which apparently has become part of your vernacular now, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and I said that it could uh, completely destroy the car from Street Fighter 2
1: in like one blow. I really like yeah. the visual of that being that should be the next never open weight title match Goto versus Ishii versus Macabe. Car who destroys the car first or most wins, they have health bars.
0: That would be rad. And, like, the car was brought into such cool spots. Like, during the opening match, Alex Zane versus Ricky Crash. Uh, Alex Zane does a somersault bomb off the car.
1: Yeah. Yeah, at various points throughout it. Oh, my gosh, yeah, where he, like, actually, like, he clears the whole car. He sentons o- yeah. over the car. Yeah. Alex Zane is insane.
0: Honestly, the first match was one of the best one. Yes, one of the, so the first it I actually
1: heard. opened the first two matches. I would say Alex Zane versus Ricky Shane Page and Casey Quick versus Chris Dickinson oh, slash Paco
0: Loco. Casey Quick versus Paco Loco was dope. Yeah, like uh, both of
1: those matches, the the
0: and I don't like light tubes, but I was compelled by this one because Casey got cut open bad, like right away. Like his his wrist was like gushing blood, and they didn't put the the wrist tape on like right away like it took a little bit jen joey janela Um,
1: kept pointing that out that they needed to have their wrists taped up if they were going to be doing light tube spots
0: yeah joey janela definitely had some choice commentary i love that he said
1: the ref was way too professionally dressed for the event because he was wearing a (laughs) a ref shirt tucked in
0: it's true he should have been wearing like those kevin owens kind of um shorts like long shorts The ones you wear to the gym when you're, like, uncomfortable with your body. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Paco Loco, Death Valley Driver, through the wood. And it was so close to the bar of the trampoline. I was like, these guys are trying to kill each other.
1: Well, and I think, like, it's a uh, argument for how you can use light tubes, blood, and sort of deathmatch aesthetic in a way to really, like, build up the stakes of the match. Because the first Mm. half of this match is very bloody, uses light tubes, classic deathmatch spots, lots of hardcore spots, lots of kind of like...
0: They're taping up KC right? yes. and Paco is just throwing a bunch more light tubes into the ring. And then the
1: second half of this match, there is so much incredible wrestling going on. Like There's a really great intense running knee from K Quick, Avalanche Va- Death Valley Driver from Dickinson. They're both kind of going back and forth in like almost a G... It's like a deathmatch has took place and now they want to put on a G1 match
0: very interesting. And yeah, they were both covered in blood. Uh Casey Quick from his arm and then Paco Loco from his head as soon as he got hit by a light tube from Casey Quick, he was crimson.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and just but yeah, no, it really really makes a case for why you could do this kind of match and what it does add to the like fight cuz K- Casey Quick is fighting from the bottom, he's covered in blood. And I think if that those stakes weren't a part of the match, it still would have been a good match, clearly, based off of the second half of the match. But I think it would have—I don't think it would have been as much of a standout for us had it not been booked the way it was.
0: Yeah, it was my match of the night, honestly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And with then that. I think front- the next
0: match was my least favorite match of the night, <laughs> which was Nasty Leroy versus Dilf Boy Daltano. All I have written down is fucking James Elworth with rainbow tights. Oh
1: yeah, yeah uh i it was fine, I don't know, like I think what? like with this kind of that with this kind of event, someone like nasty Leroy and just kind of just wacky wild matches that have wrestling but are more so just like a throwback to true backyard wrestling viewing is great that they have this kind of stuff, like the people watching. Like, I mean, it's like obviously not a standout standout match from a work rate or even like... Well, not
0: everything can be a standout match because then nothing stands out. I didn't think this card was overbooked. I didn't think that it dragged. Uh, I loved that it had an intermission just to kind of... I like that all the GCW
1: shows have had that. Uh, Yeah,
0: I I enjoy that. But... uh, the next match that I really enjoyed was Combat Kid versus Tony Deppen.
1: Man, Tony Deppen is so sick. I love that he came out to anti-flag. That's really cool and like compl- like in my mind I have a kind of vision of what I think Tony Deppen's character is, like that he's this like snotty punk guy that's like looks like a regular dude, but will fuck you yeah. up if you fuck with him. And him using anti-flag, I feel like really fleshes out that character to me in a way. Totally. And this was just a really good wrestling match.
0: Uh sick flying kamaguri knee from Deppen to Combat Kid on the apron. Deppen somersaults through the ropes. Drop toehold into the Plymouth from Deppen on Combat Kid outside the ring. Atomic drop onto the car. <laughs> what Tom Thomas pointed out, it doesn't look good and it hurts a lot, which is the opposite of what you want in a wrestling move.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I got to say, when Combat Kid entered, I was like, I don't know about this match.
0: Worst, worst ring gear of all time from Combat Kid plastic beige shorts, <laughs> striped colorful suspenders, no shirt, baseball socks, and purple green tights. Absolute worst wrestling gear I've ever seen. <laughs> Very in my heinous life. outfit. An absolute affront to fashion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, like, had huge Terry Funk energy. For how yes. distracting and like hilarious his outfit was, which like it was appropriate. Point, it was it's like yeah, it's everything
0: point. was yeah, it's everything was was to a point fun
1: yeah. to laugh at, but also like justified in that like now Tony Deppen's gonna whoop this guy's ass, and also he yeah, he just like towards the end he has this sort of combat kid had like this like sort of staggering punches that reminded me a lot of Terry Funk. That led to like he get, o- giving Tony Depp an the opening to do some really big spots like huge swing. Tony DT. Depp in Death
0: Valley drivered him onto the trampoline. Mm-hmm. Comic Kid seemed to nail his oh, head onto on the, the side. Edge. yeah, and still kicks out.
1: Man, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I loved it. My my one of my other favorite matches, and this is I feel like in GCW I'm familiar with this, the core people that wrestle in GCW, but I love every time that I watch. There's always like a new person or I mentioned the, when we reviewed the world, there's always something that we haven't seen before, which we we talked about um, Logan Stunt versus KTB already. The other match to me, the other singles match that really stood out to me was uh, Vampiro versus Dexter White. The match that u- yes. tried to utilize a lot of fire and had a crazy ending that seemed uh, ill ill-planned but overall, just Vampiro's Tope six thirty centon to the outside was insane, and oh yeah, they started using the. the uh, I think maybe it was in the match before this. They started using them, but someone was sitting on commemorative NXT and WWE chairs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was not in this match. I don't think that was the next match because they um, Joey Janelle kept saying those were sports entertainment chairs. He's like. Used without the express written permission of the sports entertainment (laughs) chair. He goes
1: through like a long, like very official sounding, (laughs) but then
0: gets to just sports entertainment chair at the end of it. Oh my God. But another fun thing that was like tying through these matches was the presence of rat tail, the small child with the biggest rat tail that Joey Janelle has ever seen during the Vampiro Dexter match. Joey Janelle calls rat tail who is standing kind of like right up close to the match rat rat tail. Like a moth drawn to flames. Keeps putting himself in the line of danger. <laughs> yeah, like you said, Vampiro breathing fire. Dexter blocks it with a barbed wire board. Whoa, Vampiro-
1: GCW posted a photo of that specific spot to their Instagram yeah. and it looks crazy. Yeah, the fireball is huge.
0: Vampiro breaks two light tubes over his head. Dexter power bombs Vampiro into the barbed wire board. Vampiro rocks walks the ropes. Van Terminators him across the ring. Shatters the light tubes in Dexter's face.
1: That was crazy.
0: That was until the very end, that was the scariest thing I'd seen. Just the light tubes exploding and all the dust in his face. I was <laughs> man. Uh at one point they're they're both on the bobcat. It's up to maximum height. I wrote, please don't go through the whole <laughs> scaffold. No, please don't set it on fire before you go through the whole scaffold. So of course they did. Um but the bobcat's not high enough it's to fucking level it off. Uh, and yeah they're like
1: almost level to provide a visual it's like the bobcat only can go so high and then the scaffold is about the same height as the bobcat (laughs) i feel like with this kind of spot there needs to be a couple of feet below so they can have some kind of force coming down on it but instead they kind of have to just jump from one level to the next and it works and no one everyone walks away from this and they were
0: trying to set it on fire as well and it only picked up a very small bonfire so it was like everything was going all wrong but the funniest thing to me was that, like, I assume it was Vampiro who was um, setting on a fire. I can't recall. But he's. He... Dexter's just the like. Light. Dexter's just standing there, like, waiting. And after he gets it lit, he just, like, all right, now Death Valley driver me. And he just Death Valley drivers him. So my verisimilitude was put on hold temporarily during <laughs> that match. But I still, I, I still loved it, personally.
1: You know what I hope we get in the future is a long singles match between blake christian and nick gage their spots in that scramble the eight man tag towards the end of that were incredible like it would it's it's like this is what it would be like if nick gage was in the g1
0: oh man that's so true nick gage was even more particularly scary in this in this event. He looks like a dude that yells at the bus driver.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the he he really throws down in this match, carries his team to the win. Yeah. he, he does he take on
0: like four people himself?
1: Yeah, at the end he's the one I think he gets every pin for his team.
0: He does. Yeah. He pile drivers Mayday Jack Williams onto the car, eliminates oh, him. Oh yeah. He pile drivers Jordan Oliver in the ring, eliminates him. He uh kid grapple coast to coast drop kicks a door into gage's face
1: right yes and then sports entertainment chair (laughs) then throws down a huge avalanche pile driver on Nick gage but gage kicks out of it and then hits him with the choke breaker for the three count blake christian is out then pits jimmy lloyd and nick gage Gage, one-on-one at the end there trading sitting on
0: spitting sitting on sports entertainment chairs exchanging punches they were both just sitting down and like leaning forward as if they were in like an AA meeting and just punching each other in the (laughs) face and uh yeah eventually like you said jimmy lloyd's on the turnbuckle nick gage dear god no fish hooks him in the mouth with a fish hook and fishing rod and then just like pulls him off the top rope and he does a front flip um then does a duo
1: of pile drivers for the three count and wins Nick Gage is one of my favorite current current wrestlers by far. I honestly far can't margin. believe
0: how much I'm enjoying all this stuff. Like, I really didn't think I would enjoy all this as much as I, I am. You mean
1: GCW in general?
0: Just like uh, hardcore matches.
1: Yeah, they the they're all done in a way where most of the spots are either earned or used in a way where it doesn't feel gratuitous. Like, it feels like there's some... Like psychology, because earlier on in one of the other matches, there was that barbed wire board. Yes, and throughout it, it became this whole dance around who was going to get thrown into the barbed wire board first. And I think when you use weapons like that to like really build a story, like in, it's like the same thing as like working a knee in the nineteen eighties.
0: Speaking of not gratuitous, the last match, El Schlocko versus J <laughs> J Escobar, dude. At the this point,
1: intro of this match. Holy shit
0: Roman candle baby, biggest pyro you've ever seen
1: that was awesome, oh my gosh that that entrance again, now a second main event entrance two two so so far with this podcast, we've watched g c w the world and g c w the backyard. Each main event has had an incredible entrance because the last the world entrance was Nick Gage putting Nate Webb through the table and then letting the announcer run down his call out at the beginning with the whole crowd screaming. This one, out of nowhere, Schlock just comes out shooting Roman candles, and the crowd has <laughs> has to run away because they're going to get hit with fireworks. They
0: have to disperse. Yeah. Uh, this at this point in the night, this is where Joey Janela questioned his choices <laughs> in GCW and also CZW, and uh, just kind of the the level of violence and insanity he's brought uh, a few times. Yeah, I think it was when Schlocko ran over Escobar with his car. Joey Janela was like, why am I associated with this? <laughs> Dude, and then at this point. He hits him
1: with his car and actually like.
0: He hits him with his car. He like yeah, goes up. he hits up. him with the car. It wasn't worked like when Sammy Guevara hit the. Right. Yes. Golf cart. It was just like, at what speed can I hit you with my car that you're going to be okay? And
1: that apparently is... like in the aftermath. Uh, like I watched. Uh, for those of you that are very as into GCW as we are as much of fans as we are, if you pay attention to their uh Instagram, Brett Lauderdale's been posting uh GCW merch sales where he goes on Facebook Live and just sells like from their inventory different merch <laughs> and different things yes. that aren't listed on their web store. And it was really as someone who loves re- buying wrestling merch and someone that like gets a lot of like thinks he's funny as a commentator, uh like it's great to watch. I would highly recommend I watched the whole it's like two hours maybe the old two hours of him doing it uh but yeah it, learn
0: it, learn to draw everybody
1: is what all i can say he <laughs> so you can
0: get something good done while you're
1: <laughs> while you're watching Brett lauderdale sell things on facebook well but oh but anyways i started saying that because he and that someone asks if jj escobar is okay and he mentions that he was fine well at first he says he goes on for a little bit and makes a joke about how he's not okay but uh then ultimately says he's fine and that he that's like just he's known for doing that kind of stuff like like basically like jackass quality like jackass style stunts
0: right at this point uh starts to tape Escobar onto a chair joey janelle is like this is like i this is like something i've downloaded on fucking limewire (laughs) he's like i don't want to see this fucking taliban execution
1: (laughs) his commentary was so funny (laughs) <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Is this in, that like, made me laugh so comparing hard. Comparing it to like a, yeah the uh, like the yeah like execution videos on LimeWire. Oh well, God.
0: they literally strap like a firework to this guy, Benlighted. light it off. I was shocked, honestly. Rewatching it, it was okay, but when it first happened, I thought like I was like waiting to see if there was like pieces of this guy. Yeah, like it well, when you don't know what's
1: coming, yeah, it's it's a hard. It's a hard watch. Made easier by Joey Janela's hilarious commentary, and but
0: he was like, he was not happy with this. <laughs> I don't think he was like, he's like, goddamn it, why did I jump off of a roof into a fucking truck full of light tubes? <laughs> why the fuck did I do this? to I, Everybody, but see
1: in retrospect, I was thinking about it, and that's just his comment. I I like I I think that's his he commentary character for GCW now because he's right. like an AEW superstar being featured in sick matches uh, on TNT and is one of the people that helped establish GCW. I think him coming back now, him being the heel commentator is the perfect like
0: position oh, totally. for him. Like, Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it, 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 like I, while we were watching it, I definitely was like, Oh my God, I hope that guy's okay. It took the, the big, some of the big spots really like were hard for me to digest Joe Janelle's commentary made them funnier, and in retrospect, just the whole event from top to bottom, such an incredible event, so funny. I would say maybe you're not going
0: to see anything like it. One of you're my, my favorite events of the like, year. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just from a production standpoint, and the fact that we got to see like a, a guy walk onto like one of those kids' houses to like do or a move and it. just like fell right through it, like moments like that.
1: Yeah, The this event overall was really great. I wish I was. Uh, in Moncton, New Brunswick with the two of you enjoying Swiss Chalet while watching this.
0: We did order Swiss Chalet. Um, Saint-Dubel would not deliver to Riverview. We were scandalized. Absolutely scandalized. I think but, Swiss Chalet
1: uh, is slightly better anyways, so that's okay.
0: I think you're absolutely wrong about that. You do not get half a hamburger bun from Swiss Chalet <laughs> to dip in your gravy.
1: Yeah, but so, Swiss Chalet's ribs cannot be fucked with. This is a very like niche... This is a okay, well,
0: we're not. If I, we're talking about ribs, fine, but if we're talking about a quarter chicken dinner, I'll take Santa. I never
1: get this quarter chicken dinner from either place.
0: Well, you get the piri piri chicken. Yeah, that's like a quarter chicken dinner, but it's just a barbecue one.
1: You got me there.
0: We'll be right back on talking rotisserie chicken,
1: <laughs> dude. Yeah, I can't Any... wait. I am legitimately stoked to be in Moncton, New Brunswick, in December for. Swiss Chalet, Saint Hubert's, and All I can say is
0: don't don't count those chickens before they're hatched, Mr. New York City Boy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I actually legitimately don't know if I'm gonna be allowed to come into the country at that point. We'll see.
0: Whenever we do record a live episode, it is going to be
1: extra Absolutely. Thomas will be a special guest. As I should I texted you the other day, I found a stone cold a CD ROM of a stone cold soundboard. I haven't tried to upload it to my computer yet, but if it works, sound drops are incoming. <laughs> I wish that they could be possible for every episode, but I think that they would get maybe. I would go off the rails with them. I think so. It's probably you are going to go off the rails. You're going to
0: like make your point, and then you're just going to be like, "And that's the bottom line." I'm going to be like, "All right, John. It <laughs> is what's going to happen." All right, John. We get it. You're going to interrupt me when I disagree with you. Speaking of disagreeing, <laughs> uh, we watched AEW
1: Fighter Fest Night Two too this week so sick did you skip over dark again
0: i skipped over dark
1: all of dark even knowing Dar- dr luther and cas
0: please enlighten me on dr luther's contribution to the uh, world of I, wrestling this week
1: it's really not even worth it's almost not even worth talking about but uh dr luther faced Kaz. the one match from uh all of dark again that i would say was stand out that you missed that you would really like Brian Pillman Jr. made his debut versus Sean Spears. Against my boy, Sean Spears. Sean Spears gets a really big win, and Taz points out that Spears is on a non-stop dominate. I don't know why he said it that way. Because he's but weird. He, yeah, he doesn't yeah. get the phrasing. Spears is on a non-stop dominate! He's got a date and- with Destiny! That's, I'm pretty much word for word what he said. And uh, that match was great. And Serpentigo versus Scorpio Sky was very sick. Serpentigo is that like Luchador with the cool mask. Yeah. Uh, the one singles match between them. Dr. Luther versus Scorpio Sky is what you would think it would be. Very slow, very plotting. Luther yells a lot, which is funny. And that's about it. You missed, though, before we move on to Fighter Fest Night 2, the main event, Dark Order, faced off against... My favorite tag team. And not yours. Brandon Cutler and the Librarian. Dude, Cutler does a huge moonsault to the outside. And... These dudes need to join the Dark Order. Was there any development in that? Not particularly. I mean, Dark Order 1. End of the show.
0: They should recruit them. That should be a long-term story.
1: I think that that's probably... That seems like... Too many tag happen.
0: teams. You gotta separate the wheat from the chaff <laughs> in the tag team division. That's what I'm saying. It's too Dude, m- this whole... Too much of these natural <laughs> nightmares clogging up the fucking pipes of the tag team division.
1: Speaking of tag teams, the whole night was a night of sick tag This matches. was a, an, Omega an a and love Hangman letter versus to... Private Party?
0: Omega and Hangman versus Private Party on any other night would be the match of the night. It was fantastic. Kenny was really savoring his entrance. I was... I was like okay are they dropping it here I'm really waiting for them to drop it I really thought that they were going to give it to the best friends and then I thought oh maybe it's a private party because they're getting this big push with Matt Hardy like put it on somebody new but uh, they did manage to retain but it was a fucking
1: great match uh, my, yeah my f- I, th- I thought that they could win I thought private party could pull out a win uh, where like an upset they'd win. have two surprise upset wins on the elite yeah I think it would be interesting who is going to take the belts off of a Megan Hegman?
0: who can stop the path the cage <laughs> um, who's going to do it um, it's going to be the Bucks or FTR it'll be FTR do you think
1: FTR you think
0: yeah FTR versus Hangman and Page, And then Paige joins up with them. Before, I thought Cody would be the fourth guy, but I think it's going to be Sean Spears.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Spears, Hangman, Spears, and Spears, Paige, and FTR. With Tully as their manager? Yes. That is going to be sick. The four horsemen of AEW. Do you think by then Spears will have a nice, lush mullet?
0: I think he will. Yes, he will look like one of um, it's one of the Freebirds in the '80s in that in the opening of, the opening of Highlander that I sent you that you'd never seen.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. Why That's can't Russell
0: a- Mulcahy direct every wrestling match? <laughs> just swooping, <laughs> swooping aerial shots, and oh my god! I wanted to just I wanted that wrestling match to go on. Instead, it turns into a sword fight between yeah i've not Lombard. seen the whole
1: movie i wish that the entire film was that open like, literally that has
0: nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever and they put so much care into photographing like the free birds and yeah
1: it looks like they dropped into a wrestling promotion yes and film
0: yeah it looked yeah it looked like there was a show going on in madison square garden and they were able to to film and i imagine like film and i imagine that, just because yeah. russell mulcahy like loves wrestling and it gave it gave for some somewhere for uh, Connor McLeod to be uh, in public but isolated because he's like <laughs> he's so fucking old you know what I mean he can't connect with modern society he's like I remember when there were gladiators and shit
1: now I gotta watch fucking Freebirds I'd rather watch the Freebirds than gladiators uh, <laughs> dude Lance Archer versus Joey Janella is what I want from AEW it's what I like it's what I before AEW became a thing, what I hoped would we would get from them, like, cool, top independent stars facing off against wrestlers who have traveled the world, been in New Japan, like this convergence of Lance Archer, who's like his such has been around for so long, really rose to prominence in New Japan last year as a single star after Davy Boy left and the Killer Elite Squad was no more. Joy Janella, who's been crushing on the Indies forever, and then we get this awesome singles match this was one of my favorite matches of the night i was
0: so sad when it was sunny kiss who lance archer had brought out to the ring to beat up before the match i was
1: like no oh yes and siobhan was watching while that was happening and she looked up and said oh no sunny kiss is getting beat up but looking good while doing it
0: (laughs) right again siobhan right again (laughs) yeah this was this was yeah. a a sweet match it was a good change of pace from the last match obviously arthur Ma- arthur archer matches are uh, <laughs> a little bit more uh slow but intense uh i loved the energy joey Janelle was bringing having not watched his like classic matches on dark that you keep talking about with uh, moxley yeah i haven't
1: uh no uh he fought omega at omega oh, on dark he fought omega and then he fought moxley at I think I believe it was last year's Fighter Fest. Okay. Uh, the main event it was on unsanctioned. Yeah, March.
0: I've missed a lot of these Joey Janela matches. I need to go back and watch them. But this was, it was really cool seeing Janela stand up to Archer, even though obviously uh, he took the blackout through the table from the apron for the loss.
1: This really felt like a big pay-per-view match. Big exhibition, like singles match between two people who will eventually hold belts within the company. And yeah, it, it was great. There's a huge senton on from Joey followed by a four fifty splash. Like both he just tore down the house in this sh- this sh- on this in this match, and it's cool that he and Sonny Kiss are both getting opportunities. Like do you see Sonny Kiss is facing Cody next I week? I did
0: see that. That's friggin' awesome. Yes. Can't Cannot wait great. for that. Um, Taz came oh, out huge
1: reveal incoming. Yeah, Taz comes out with the FTW. I thought he had the. <laughs> you don't
0: look impressed. No, I just I thought he had the uh, WWE Hardcore Championship, even though it made no sense that he would when he had a bag in the belt. I was like, is it going to be a hardcore title? Is it going to be Brian Cage's Hardcore Champion? But it was the FTW belt, which like I'd never heard of. So I just thought it was like the For the Win belt, not the Fuck the World uh, belt.
1: Yeah, it's funny to me that internet to me FTW has always been Fuck the World. <laughs> uh i think just that's like what i used to write on my notebooks in hi- high school my older brother was really into well, yeah, Manson, were cool. and insane clown posse so he also imbued what ftw meant to me in the is you your know.
0: brother a juggalo i keep forgetting to ask
1: my older brother my older brother yeah. he well he was it's, very into icp he's not a juggalo and
0: <laughs> he he is th- don't no. answer the fucking question john he's very <laughs> nice to be is he a fucking juggalo or
1: not does um, he go to the meeting of the Juggalos? He does not go to the gathering of the Juggalos, but he definitely the would have at sorry. one point. The meeting of the Juggalos, like it's <laughs> a, <laughs> like a conference at a community college. <laughs> Serious question: Do Juggalos wear face masks? Oh, do, they definitely do, and I don't know. Yeah, they, they. I'm sure. I would guess that ICP is pro face masks, and Juggalos are too, because they're very supportive they're very uh anti a lot of the racism that's happening in the states right now and very outspoken about it they recently the released don't
0: fuck with that racism
1: they don't cuz they're all about family they recently released a <laughs> shirt uh of their the like uh one of their characters burning a confederate flag they've pretty much historically been pretty like against that kind of stuff um but anyways when
0: did the juggalo start was it right after Batman Returns happened <laughs> crawled out of that movie and just became fans of icp
1: late 90s for sure uh but no my older brother is not presently a juggalo he might throw on icp as a throwback to his younger days uh yeah the, the the it's so cool that he brought back oh for the win ftw got it yeah that he brought back the fuck the world heavyweight championship belt because the the for those of you might not have known, he Taz made that belt because he wasn't getting title shots against Shane Douglas, and because partly because Shane Douglas was hurt, and then partly because Shane Douglas just wasn't giving him like title shots and Taz was riding, rising to prominence. So after Shane Douglas was out for a while, Taz created the FTW Heavyweight Championship. So that way, when you would say the full title, it would say Fuck the World Heavyweight Championship. So it's like <laughs> dismissing the actual ECW Heavyweight Championship, and the via his created belt. Then he eventually goes on to unify them both, which is how he holds the copyright. Because when WWE bought ECW, they bought ECW with the ECW Heavyweight Championship. But the FTW, I maybe was never. I mean, it's ECW, so maybe they just never copyrighted the belt. Maybe Taz copyrighted because maybe it was his idea. Uh
0: But. What a cool Yeah, they never they never held the copyright, is what I read.
1: What a cool throwback to ECW for people that love Taz like me, and a perfect title for Brian Cage.
0: Well, it's good to get a a belt on a heel.
1: Yes. And a belt that actually isn't recognized. Like, I think it just you adds th- to Brian gonna, Cage's character.
0: But is he gonna put it on the line?
1: I mean he did Sabu won it back uh from Taz, but Taz willingly let him win don't remember all of the details of it, but,
0: okay. uh, I wondered if it would be like champion versus champion, all belts on the line at fight for the fallen next week.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Mox would be a cool person to hold that also.
0: Man, Mox two belts.
1: Do you think he's going to be, I thought that didn't, do you think he's going to be cleared to wrestle next week? Is he cleared to wrestle next week? Do we know?
0: Look, it's looking good. Hmm. They've, they've still announced it and they had a week to go. So I hope it's so. looking good. Yeah. Um, next up we had, oh, just probably the best match in the history of Dynamite.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I actually, and now that we have a few days past, it's Friday. It's been two days since we watched it. I agree with that. Best match on Dynamite ever.
0: FTR and the Young Bucks. Again, just the storytelling that's going to, to quote Ricky Morton here, storytelling that's going into this match. Like there's, there's so much going on. There's so much extra wrestling stuff going on. FTR and the Young Bucks have been feuding for a long time. We're expecting them to clash at some point in AEW. It's going to be the biggest tag team match probably ever in the history of AEW. Um, but for now they're cooling that down by having them wrestle together, sort of have each other's back. So it's like, if you didn't follow that whole, that whole thing, they're, they're giving a new story, a, a new story, new story. Li- exactly. hundred percent. So that's cool. FTR also has heat with the Lucha bros for saying that they never tag. They need to learn to tag. Uh, FTR have heat with Butcher and the Blade because Butcher and the Blade were fighting the Young Bucks when FTR first debuted and FTR wanted to keep the Young Bucks in prime shape, not getting jumped by anybody. So there's a lot going on to the story.
1: How much? Yeah, like there's so much nuance in the story, like Lucha Bros, quick, very agile, Butcher and Blade, power guys, FTR, power guys, Young Bucks, quick and agile.
0: Yeah, perfectly matched. How sick did, like, fucking Pentagon uh, and Phoenix with their masks look great next to the Blade? Oh, my
1: gosh. All three of them wearing masks? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Look so cool together. And we, just... we joked
0: they need to change it to Death Pentagon so they can bring <laughs> in Butcher and the Blade and make it a five-man That would team. be
1: a perfect... That's, like, my present day and childhood, like, the faction of my dreams. Like, cool... That would be Luchadores. cooler than LIJ. They yes that they would rival Lij that that would be tough yeah I don't know and like,
0: then they could do an then they could do a super card oh my god with Lij which was let's name it out Sonata do it in order, Shingo though.
1: can you do it in order <laughs> Naito
0: Naito <laughs> yes um it's the... evil Naito Bushi right?
1: evil Sonata be... Hiromu Teikami. Shingo Hiromu. So there's six people yeah, in there. There's six.
0: Oh, I didn't know Hiromu was part of Lij. Hiromu Takahashi. I must be asleep. I'm a little bit asleep.
1: Yeah, well, we were talking about how he, like Shingo, his big brother, was protecting him. Uh, in the oh next yeah, tag. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and he like I sent you and uh, Thomas that photo of all of them with their uh, belts together. Naito, Shingo, and Hiromu. Lij has all of the belts. Um,
0: I I started to try to write some uh, some notes on this match, on like the big spots, but it just my fingers could not type fast enough to keep up. And it wasn't it wasn't all spot fast stuff either. It wasn't just big moments like the Canadian destroyer over two wrestlers over the top rope onto the rest of the wrestlers outside the ring. That's the the gif you're seeing. But there was just so much, like you said, classic wrestling with Butchering the Blade and, and FTR. Just bringing that big man energy.
1: Dude, totally. And kind of looping back a quick sidebar, I got them right and in order. L-I-J.
0: We know, John. You don't <laughs> have to do a correction for being right. You do a correction when you're wrong. i <laughs> uh, just let you know uh, that thing I said on the last episode. I was correct about all the facts I wasn't sure about. So never... <laughs> Never doubt yourself, kids. Oh
1: it, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah this this match it, it's just like where do you where do you even start if you were going to point out moves that happened in this match like like just it's incl- nonstop just nonstop onslaught of double team moves between all of the different teammates tie- teaming together. It's not just like it's FTR doing their moves against B and B. It's exactly F- it's like. Uh, like a huge Goodnet Express from Cash Wheeler and Nick Jackson, or yes. Harwood and De- Jackson doing things together, or Butcher oh my and God. Pentagon working together. Like, there's
0: seeing everyone meet them, meet each other in the middle, was just so satisfying. I, yeah. I it took my breath away watching this match. Honestly, like when it was done, I just turned to my friends who have never watched AEW, and I was like, it's not usually this good. This card was top heavy. You think it was top heavy? I, can- I- fuck this. Fuck this card! I, <laughs> no, I can't
1: believe that you were not a fan of Jericho and O.C. Like just,
0: Jericho and like... O.C. was a really good match, but you're going up against Keith Lee versus Adam Cole. We know that they're winning the belt. Orange Cassidy didn't even get the win on Jericho here. This should have been FTR and the Young Bucks versus Luch Bros. They knew this match was going to be the biggest banger. This was a match that could have kept people from switching away
1: you're saying that the eight man is what could have kept.
0: Yes. And they need to put, and they also need to let those two huge tag matches breathe a little bit. Like there was only one match between them, which was the relatively short Archer versus Janela. Like it was just so much. You Like, I think my friends almost couldn't like process how much was going on. Like they, those matches should have bookended the card because I don't know. They felt, I felt like I was burnt out after those two matches, then going into the squash with Nyla Rose. And Kenzie Page and Kylan King, which was I thought a really fun squash. Yeah, I good. thought Nala Rose looked like she was in absolute top form. Didn't go long enough to be like a great match or anything, but as far as squashes go, cool to was... see
1: her back and dominating. Yeah. Absolutely. And SCU versus um, Dark Order. That was good. And then
0: yeah, this was the this was the cooler match of the night. Like the Yeah, you had to pace it out. This was the bathroom break of the night, but I don't know. I I feel like they could have they, they should have spaced out the two big matches, and they should have spaced out these two kind of cooler matches, and I feel like Jericho and Cassidy should have been mid-card. I honestly care enough about this event to be this critical, because I really... The the highs of the first hour just didn't kind of come again, so I, I, I sort of felt my friends being burnt out. Maybe if I'd watched it alone, it wouldn't have been as much of a consideration.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think just from the perspective of um, building up Orange Cassidy to being one of the top one of their bigger future stars this needed that match needed to be the main event i don't I don't think I mean, yes it, if
0: if orange cassidy would have won but I,
1: he looked so strong against Jericho and also Jericho beat him with a move that's a one hit kill like it's like a like I think <laughs> like you could always like a hack. Yeah, it kind of is. Like you, you can. I think anyone can lose to Jericho if you go the distance with Jericho, and then he beats you because of his spinning elbow that comes out of nowhere. It's this. It's like not really. No,
0: I. I don't think Orange looked weak. I just don't think it was like. If it had been his coronation, that could have been a main event. I. I just feel like. I don't know, I, man. I, at the main, I just feel uh, like the main event was was
1: on the on the entrances for both the tag match and for Jericho and Cassidy. Siobhan was had her head down until Jericho came out. Then she looked up and noted that he has good stage presence. So if we're wanting an outside of wrestling opinion there, Jericho's main event commanding stage presence had her gripped. Meanwhile, the tag team shenanigans of the eight man, which I absolutely loved, did not. So, Well,
0: I'm her. sure that could have gotten Siobhan to change the channel from the real housewives <laughs> of New Jersey to <laughs> AEW Dynamite. So they won in the Siobhan demographic, I suppose. But I mean, this is, we, I'm splitting hairs here. Like, this was. Fighter Fest the, was sick. Overall. Two of the best yeah. tag matches. They lost their main event, Brian Cage versus Moxley, and still put on.
1: Yeah, it was great. They, in, oh, that's true. Wow. What an event. This, imagine this was a one night pay per view event.
0: This this is what it felt like it felt like um that was the the vacuum that was not there which was that huge main event. To me, that, I, no, this is I agree. I this actually my do opinion.
1: agree with that opinion totally. Night
0: I, night 2 on a two-night pay-per-view main event it should be the biggest match of all of all of those two nights. And like can, can you say that about the Jericho biggest fashion? match of
1: both nights was the tag match. And Can we end the
0: episode here before John says anything?
1: Well, no, no. I'm I'm gonna kind of go back to what you said a couple couple minutes ago. In the not to make this a AEW versus NXT thing, because that's an annoying thing to continually do. But in your point about channel changing and watching, I really wanted to see Keith Lee and Adam Cole, as we talked about. As I mentioned earlier, I sought it out, watched it after it happened. Um, I didn't watch it live. But if we're talking about watching live, I would not switch the channel, not move during the tag match. I may be more prone if I can only watch one of them this week. If I can only watch one match this week, Keith Lee versus Adam Cole or Jericho versus Cassidy, I'm watching Keith Lee versus Adam Cole. If I'm only watching one match this week and it's Keith Lee, Adam Cole versus the tag match, knowing what we know, I'm watching the tag match. Tag match, best match of the entire out of the, what did we watch? Like I didn't count the matches this week. We probably watched like 30 to 30 matches this week maybe. Out of all of them, it's maybe slight overestimation because we didn't watch as much as we normally do, but uh out of all of them, the tag match takes takes easily a, easily. Yeah.
0: was the the best match of this whole week. I would say it was better than any match we saw last week. One of the best matches of like the we year. Said, of the year. Yep. I absolutely. can't wait
1: to see FDR versus Butcher and the Blade incoming. So happy Lucha Bros are back. It's like to see more of the Bucks. Like, their tag division is unbelievable. And, and this is
0: during COVID when they are missing a bunch of... There's no crowd.
1: crowd. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and the crowd. Yeah, but I mean we haven't seen Pac. I keep saying Pac. I want to say Pac. Pac. But I say Pac. Ex-Pac.
1: We keep. Uh, we haven't... X-Pac. Pac. Pac. X-Pac. Pac. X-Pac. 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 Pac. Pack. x
0: pac x pac x pac x pac, Ex-Pac. Ex-Pac.
1: Ex-Pac. pac. pac. Ex-Pac.
0: Can I get a pack of X-Pox? <laughs> um,
1: X-Pox and Pac are drinking a six pack.
0: With Tupac. John, Pan Cray's Eyes of the Beast 4. What'd you think, brother? Ken Shamrock versus, versus Minoru Suzuki. I was so hyped for this match. From the jump, Shamrock is throwing some super high kicks. Like, it's always shocking how high Shamrock can kick. A few strikes are exchanged. Shamrock goes for another high kick, leaving his leg vulnerable. Suzuki takes him with an impossibly fast takedown. It is impossible to overstate how fast Suzuki is in this match. It is mind-blowing. Like, seeing him where he is right now and just being this, like, hardcore, just the toughest host, even though he's not the biggest, just being able to stand up to anybody, just exchange blows. To see him this fast, it's wild. They circle each other for a while trying to find an advantage. Shamrock lands a triangle, but Suzuki edges out of it to huge applause. The crowd is so into it. Once again they dance around each other, looking for their moment. Shamrock takes Suzuki down and applies pressure to the neck with his forearm. Soon he has him in an armbar, but Minoru manages to get close and reduce the pressure. Minoru is in charge for a moment, before Shamrock is back on top, trying to subdue Suzuki. Shamrock manages to get another armbar, which draws a lot of cheers, but just as soon, Suzuki is out again. The audience literally gasps in unison, and then cheers even louder. They are on the edge of their seats for this four-minute match. They grapple on the ground, trying to get an inch from their competitor, before Minoru traps Shamrock's leg. Shamrock, one of the toughest motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life, taps almost immediately. Suzuki is a fucking beast. I loved it. I love seeing these pancreas matches, like that mix real grappling. Like, give me a little bit more background on Pancrase. Like
1: It's the convergence of professional wrestling and MMA in the late nineties.
0: Because they weren't punching. They were only there was only kicks and strikes, right? There wasn't punches. And
1: all the matches are Shorter like that because they're meant to be shoot matches, like an MMA match, and oftentimes it's. Dis- I mentioned on a, on maybe our first or second show that it's disputed online. I've read a lot about it online, but disputed as to how much of it's worked, how much of it is real, how much of it is predetermined, or if it really is just like a UFC fight. And even just in that discrepancy, uh, disagreement, discrepancy between everyone, between the history of it, it's interesting to me and so fun to watch for that reason because you know they're going to, the matches are going to be brief. They're going to be intense. It's like, I don't know, it's like discovering, like when I first discovered it and started watching different Pancras matches, it's like discovering like a new like record or something and you have these like two songs that you love that are three minutes and you know, Mm. that's, that's what I like about it as a wrestling promotion is that the matches, it's like
0: a punk wrestling promotion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, it's like finding a seven inch that you love that you play on repeat over and over again. You watch over and over again. And
0: I want to catch up with so many of these now.
1: And they're so digestible. Like the match you watched, I think it was four minutes tops. Uh... Yeah.
0: Well, it was actually only two and a half minutes of action.
1: Yeah. Actual like fighting before, as they get to the ring. And the original inspiration, I've read a few different times, was uh, Inoki fighting Muhammad Ali. Just that convergence, too, of a boxer fighting a professional wrestler was sort of the genesis of the idea. Suzuki and someone else, I don't remember the other person, sort of ran with the idea and made it to what it is now. And, yeah, it's... All, and all of their graphics are incredible. If anyone is listening to yeah. this, the, the, the punk comparison is apt just in the cool sort of harsh black and red graphics that are used. All all of it looks so cool. The fact that their pay-per-view is called Eyes of Beast, like or their big sort of like tournament pay-per-view. Like.
0: I like this so much that I uh, listened to an interview with Shamrock talking about getting into Pancreas and how he was just like a tough, Guy who like went to a wrestling gym and just like fought all these other tough guys in America ended up auditioning for the recruiter of Pancraze, fought this guy, threw him around. He brought them to Japan, basically gave him a couple guys. He beat them both pretty handily, but then just kind of put him through four matches before like Suzuki came in and then like just fed him to Suzuki and this other guy. But basically, it was just kind of to see whether he'd keep going. Like, they'd be like, do you want to rest? He'd be like, no, give me somebody else. So he did that like four times, fought Suzuki. Suzuki just like had him in like a neck hold and stuff. He'd let him go. They'd be like, are you done? He's like, no, let's keep going. And after they did that for a while, they were like, no, we got what we need. And uh, he was part of, he was part of Pank But it was so cool to hear. And, ah, just the more I learned about Suzuki, the more I realized like why he was your favorite wrestler.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just that, like, when I found out that he fought Ken Shamrock in this event, my mind was completely blown just with how much I loved Ken Shamrock in the Attitude Era.
0: And I, when I think of Suzuki, he's like a badass, but when I think of Shamrock, like I'm like, that guy could kill you. Yeah. So I was expecting Shamrock to take this. Yeah. And oh, right. To yeah. Cause I didn't know what the was. Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a classic match for me, Mark?
0: John, I do. You double dipped on Suzuki. Did. so i'm gonna double dip as well on the samoan submission machine samoa joe
1: lay it on me so psyched this i'll watch match, five more matches of his
0: tna genesis 2006 samoa joe versus kurt angle
1: oh wow sick yeah, I don't, this I, match don't, I don't know anything rules. about Rules. That's cool. This match rules. Is this is a There's year is the Kobashi match 2005. Yes. So this is so a year Samo-
0: after. This is a, a little bit after Samojo has been undefeated in TNA for a year and a half. Angle comes pretty much straight from WWE, gets a huge push. And this match, the crowd is lit. Can't wait to hear about your thoughts. It's a fucking good one, man.
1: Man. I can't wait to watch this and report back next week.
0: This has been another episode of the Torture Act podcast. You can follow my co-host John F. Malta at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us at Torture Act on Instagram. Another great episode, John. Can't wait for next week where we'll be talking about the New Japan Cup Finals. Who can stop the path of
1: torture rack?